Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Just occurs to me that I don't know what we're going to talk about today. Well, Tim, do we ever know what we're talking about? <laughs> Usually you send a nice text. Well, I guess we can start off by saying that I, I don't understand how James uh, can drive a regular car, let alone race car, with his uh, uh, technology. Do you think people realize that James is not here for the second week in a row. <laughs> it's just, it, it baffles me. It's 2020. Yep. He makes a good living. Yep. In a, in a technical field. Yep. How does he not know how to use basic computer? Not only, not only does he not know how he refuses to buy a laptop because he thinks, and this is just, this is just one of the problems with society, but he thinks that like Apple makes a device that is sufficient enough in tablet form to be as good as their $3,000 MacBooks. Yes, and as evidenced by his, um, I guess, lack of being here, uh, he's clearly right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah, Apple, we're, we're all just suckers and Apple doesn't make those devices for any reason whatsoever. I just, I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand how he can drive a Toyota Corolla, let, or, let alone a race car. Although well, he would never be in a Toyota. He, would he be drives it. He drives a Honda Pilot. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Like some of the technology on the Honda Pilot is so good, it kind of drives itself. So, um, but anyways, neither here nor there. I, from the feedback I got, Last week's episode was probably our best episode ever. So, <laughs> Well, I think, it's, I think we just need to pick... We just need to pick somebody random on Twitter every week that we're just going to be mean to. Okay, so uh, <laughs> Santino Ferrucci. Santino Ferrucci is—he's uh, not even verified on Twitter, is he? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't. Have you read the rumors about him going Xfinity racing? I don't I, know. I did see that. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually real or not. Um, but that would be interesting. He um, be there, he could be their problem. That is that is true. Um, so yes, so we need to pick something to whine and complain about. Obviously, um, we are all very clearly unimpressed with James's um, professionalism or lack thereof, but it, it is what it is. We knew what we were getting ourselves into, and he is our beloved friend, and we will stick with him regardless. Although at what point of him not showing up are we like, you're out? I, I think we just had to buy him a laptop. I think that's the. Let's get Hazel to sell some popcorn. That, to raise fun and raise fun. You see, she <laughs> did do that once to to buy um, home teaching accessories for her teachers, which was very I, good. yeah. I mean, speaking of people who have laptops, my six year old daughter has a laptop. Mm. <laughs> She's mm. able to to log on to Zoom calls every day. I'm going to be honest, karma almost bit me in the ass right there as after I was uh, 
phoning about James not being able to work a computer for the past three minutes. As I tried to plug mine in, I almost pulled it completely off my desk. <laughs> so then the only person with a laptop would have been Tim Durham and his daughter, Hazel. Yeah, um, uh, maybe I'll just start doing the podcast with her. You know what? I, I, I feel like there's actually some some uh, validity to that. You know? She probably knows more about racing than I do. Speaking of, we're now like properly in the full off season. I mean, everything's done now. Right? Did when the last F one race just right, right? Because we're so involved in Formula One and everything that it has to offer. Oh, like I'm an avid F one fan. Remind me again who won. Um, Max Verstappen actually. Won. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I like yeah. Max. That was nice. It was good for him. I I uh, still find it fascinating that Snapchat group we're all a part of, Tim. Have we ever talked about that on here? We haven't, but it's okay. We can't share what, <laughs> what gets snapped, but we can share the <laughs> randomness of this group. Yeah, let's let's run through who's on there because I, I don't even know if I'm the one that makes the least sense. Well, Probably. well no, 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 you don't. There's actually a, a IndyCar photographer that's on there that really <laughs> makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, so there's a, I can't even say the name of it. Nope. There's, there's a Snapchat group with myself uh chris owens who's the indycar photographer and then do you want to go through who else is on because i don't even know who all these people are but it's <laughs> um so off the top of my head as i pull up the group so we've got myself connor daly we have um stoffel van dorn we have um antonio felix da costa we have mitch evans we have max verstappen James, Greg Mosley, who is a um, account manager at Andretti Autosport, like a, a sponsorship guy. Um, he arguably makes more sense than me. True. We have Robin Frines, Spencer Piggott, Daniel Apt, Tom Blomquist, Ben Hendricks, who's a trainer of <laughs> either Max or Mitch. Um... Donald, who I actually don't know that I know who that is. <laughs> Chili is Carlos Sainz. And that is it. So yeah. I, I, I maybe personally know three of those people. Right. right? <laughs> like, right. So, never... I mean, but we're talking about some of the like highest and most well-known motorsports drivers across Formula One, IndyCar, Formula E, and DTM in the world. And we send a lot of memes. There's, there's, there's stuff that gets sent guys um you know inspirational quotes and such uh but no i mean absolutely uh absurd the fact that we allowed tim durham into that group i can't imagine that it was my decision uh i don't i don't even know how it happened <laughs> like I think Connor did it by mistake. I thought he tried to put a different Tim in, but then once you were in there, it was kind of like, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm never, I'm never leaving. It's kind of like me in this podcast. Once, once you let me in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of like just you and people's lives. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. Um, so, um, guess what I did today, Tim? What did you do today? I shoveled my driveway. Hey, oh yeah, it snowed in Indy. It did snow in Indy. Um, <laughs> and I'm actually leaving uh, this afternoon um, to go down to Nashville for my father's wedding. And I have a dog sitter coming. The last thing I needed was like 
getting a lawsuit because someone slipped and fell on my icy driveway. So I actually did it preemptively to avoid getting sued for that reason. I'm honestly a little shocked uh, that Peter Rossi did not want the dogs in the wedding. Well, no, because Mrs. Peter Rossi to be has three (laughs) dogs of her own. Oh, and they're okay. Well, and they are all very small. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, Runner and Diane can't come, which was very frustrating to me, but be that as it may, um, they're not coming. Dog sitters coming last weekend. I went to Disney world, which was a wild experience. Um, very cool to be able to go to Disney world when it's like at half capacity, um, due to the COVID restrictions, but also very odd that Disney world is open in the midst of a pandemic. It's all, it's all odd to me. I don't understand. I don't understand how any of this is working. <laughs> like, and then, so I just saw uh, yesterday they were talking about uh, the Moderna vaccines going to get um, approved. Right. So we'll have two of them. And they were explaining the differences between the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine. And they were like, well, one of them is for 16 years and up and the other is for 18 and up. So, are we just not going to vaccinate the kids? Well, do they get it? I think, I don't know, but like, I don't, I think if they do, like, it's super, not a big deal. Well, then if that's the case, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess we can just reopen the schools. It just, everything seems well, I think, I think that the schools being closed to protect the teachers and the staff. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And the bus drivers and all of that jazz. But yeah, no, Disney World was popping. Um, they actually, it was actually, I felt quite safe. Um, so obviously you had to wear a mask everywhere, but like they sprayed down all of the rides with like some antibacterial thing, the same thing they use in airplanes. So like after each go around, like they sprayed it down and they made you, there was an attendant in every like stall squirting hand sanitizer into your hands before you got on the ride. So I think I sanitized my hands like 36 times a day. <laughs> that feels like something that, that should maybe keep happening after a pandemic. Just for general hygiene, I think we should maybe clean these, clean the rides. I mean, yes and no. I think yes and no. I'm, I'm wondering what the side effects of hand sanitizer is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and it was crazy because some you could tell that some of like the hand sanitizer was obviously different some smelled like rum some smelled like ass yeah dude what is what is the deal with the hand sanitizer that just smells terrible oh my god it's 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 like did you make this out of manure like is that (laughs) is that the fermentation you use to create the alcohol like i don't understand it is it is just painfully obvious that there's no racing news to talk about it's like you 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 sanitize your hands in the grocery store, but it's one of the bad ones and you have to walk around being like, no, I promise I didn't myself. <laughs> I, I, uh, so Hazel and I have done a lot of uh, camping through the course of this pandemic. So I took her up to Big Bear to go camping over the summer a few times. And I stopped in the general store to get a couple things, a couple supplies. And I just happened to buy some hand sanitizer there and it was the only hand sanitizer I'd bought in, in months that didn't smell terrible, right? Like it, it just, it was proper hand sanitizer. It didn't leave a weird residue on your hands. And more importantly, didn't smell like 
So like, I went, when we went camping again, I went back there and I was just going to buy them out. I was going to buy all of it. Oh, but, so you're one of them. Well, I mean, by buy them out, I mean like buy three of them, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, they were sold out. They were, it was gone. I couldn't, so I, I ended up finding it online and I ordered like six of them and I've just now had those for the duration just because I was so tired of the ones that smelled terrible. I mean, that's, that's fair i guess i don't know if you if you do you see yourself being a hand sanitizer in 12 months once this is i feel like I, I i used a lot of hand sanitizer before all this i mean not really ah, so the, the Tim, I, I know you very well and i've been out with you and traveled with you and okay now when i'm out when i'm at home like i okay mm -hmm. i had Okay, so I bought a dog in December, right? So the my number one purchase when I got back to LA in January from getting back from Christmas and everything last year or this year was I bought a big pack of Lysol wipes and I bought a ton of hand sanitizer because, you know, I was worried about him going to the bathroom in the house and that kind of thing. So I was I was pretty ready in that regard. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I mm. want... Do you, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like I will throw everything away. And I will, I will burn the hand sanitizer, the masks, the, well, I guess that's it. But yeah, I'll, I'm, so, I'm so sick and tired of it. But anyways. It's, it's um, been a very good year for Richard R. Purell. You know, he's, he's made a lot of money. Well, him and also like everyone else in the alcohol distilling industry <laughs> and all the people that jumped on board. Can we talk about why, you know, as the, the second wave kind of has, has started to take off a little bit and, you know, people are, you know, the panic is, is slowly creeping back in in some places. Um, how we got through the first kind of go around and now we're on the second one, for, like, for, for the sake of this conversation and people are still buying stores out of toilet paper. Like, do we not realize that it doesn't make you like yourself? Well, and there's, there's no run on that supply, right? Exactly. There's no, like, I don't, I, I really, I, I, the first time it was like, it was a trend and it started on social media and it got traction and such, but then it was like, Oh, this is ridiculous. Now I have two closets full of toilet paper. Yeah. I, now it's happening again. Well, no. So then like, when you need to go buy toilet paper for, you know, just normal reasons of you're out of toilet paper and you need to go buy some, you can't find any. And so then it's, ah, it's infuriating. I don't, I, I understand the Lysol wipes. I understand more people are buying that than they were. I understand the hand sanitizer. People are buying that more than they were, but our need for toilet paper should have theoretically not changed. Do you think condom sales have gone up or down? I feel like we're just now going to start getting that string of, of quarantine babies. Interesting. Cause we're nine months out from the start of this. Right. Interesting. So that like now that when we have a kid that's born around Christmas in 2030, you're going to be like, Oh <laughs> yeah, you were made cause the Rona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, Tim, um, that's really all I have to talk about today. So. <laughs> like I said, it's painfully obvious that there's no racing news. Well, all right, let's let's chat a bit. You're you've talked to me about this 
and you you brought it up a, a few times on the podcast, but you're going you're going to your dad's wedding, and I don't I I guess I I let's let's talk about your dad. Let's talk about the kind of stuff that how he helped get you through a pretty crazy career. I mean, it, it's not a normal thing to be a race car driver, and that's that's impressive as hell what you put into it. But undoubtedly, he had to put a lot into it as well. Typical Tim, just deflecting and coming up with a question that he's hoping will take me 10 minutes to answer. Well, I mean, yeah, take your time. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was pretty good for pulling it out of my ass. (laughs) Okay, so my dad was born in Southern California um, (laughs) in a little town called Oxnard. He was Uh, a Rona baby. If you, well, you could have been like a, like a, like a measles baby. I don't know. Um, so, right. Uh, my dad was a landscape contractor. Like he, he dropped out of high school, not dropped out of high school. I apologize. He, um, he finished high school. Both his parents um, were, well, his father had died. His mom was very sick. He kind of started college, didn't really take to it. So he was like, you know what? screw it. And he started his own uh, landscape business um, with one of his best friends at the time. And they just started out mowing lawns and going door to door um, in in Northern California and worked his ass off for 20, 30 years and built a pretty successful um, design and build kind of landscape business uh, with 100 ish employees and um, kind of made a name for himself in, in the small town that I grew up. And, you know, as I was getting older, he, um, as, and me being an only child, like there started to be certain um, things that he wanted to pass along uh, that he had had fond, fond memories of his father uh, doing with him. And one of those things was going to races. Um, so I actually grew up going to IndyCar races in Northern California with my dad. It was our once a year trip. And um, that's really how I got introduced to the sport just because he he had remembered going to uh, races with his father when he was younger. Um, so fast forward to the age of 10. Well, I mean, do, do you remember going to those? Like, do you do. remember watching the races or Absolutely. you remember just going with your dad? No, I remember watching the races. Max Pappas was my favorite driver, which is very <laughs> ironic now considering he gives me all these penalties that are seemingly ridiculous. <laughs> Um, I got a hat signed by Chip Ganassi, which was very cool. Um, I remember watching Michael race. Um, I remember uh, cheering for Oriol Servia, which was, in hindsight, a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What else? Yes. I like Oriol. He's a nice nice guy. Oriol is a nice guy. I'm just still annoyed about uh, a couple years ago, but <clears throat> I don't hold grudges. No. Uh, so anyway, so um, for my 10th birthday, you know, a lot of people heard the story, so I'll, I'll go quickly. Got me a go-kart school in Las Vegas, went down there, fell in love with racing, started go-karting. Fast forward to 2008, I won uh, a Formula BMW championship here in the States, which allowed me um, to kind of go to the world finals. I won that which gave me the opportunity to race um, or test with BMW Sauber in their F1 car. Well, I knew that I always wanted to race in F1. And we're in the year 2009. My test is coming up. I moved to Europe to go race. And it was at this point where really he couldn't financially support it anymore. 
And the big thing for, for me where I was super fortunate was even though my dad didn't necessarily have a formal education, he did create and start and, and make a business very successful from, from the ground up. So he had a lot of kind of business sense and, and knew how to build relationships and such. So he created uh, an investment program um, where really it was uh, people could buy a unit for X amount of money and they would be um, paid percentages back um, of, of, of my future earnings if I were fortunate enough to make it to any tier of, of racing, whether that top tier of racing, whether that be Formula One, WEC, IndyCar, NASCAR, et cetera. Um, so that was really how I was able to go racing in Europe from kind of 2009 until 2012 uh, when I was fortunate enough to, ha- to have F1 teams start paying for, for, for my racing budget. Um, is, that, is that standard how people it is, do it? It, it like- is fairly standard for the most part. I, I think um, it's becoming more and more common uh, just because as, as, as the prices go up and up, that it just, it's such a small percentage of, of families that can actually afford it. So for example, you know, you look at Lewis Hamilton's career and he, he fast tracked. I mean, he won pretty much every championship the first year. He didn't repeat years and it still cost McLaren almost $8 million kind of all Jesus. the way back. We're looking at 10, 15 years ago for him to get from carts to formula one. And that's one of the best, drivers of our generation. So for the normal type of driver, you're looking at 10 plus million dollars that either has to come from a family or a corporate sponsor or something else. And it's very hard to get a corporate sponsor or partner involved at those lower levels because there legitimately is no return for them whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a, not a lot of ROI there. Exactly. So corporate, corporate sponsors really don't becoming aren't really a thing until you get to the, to the top tiers, which is where you're kind of getting paid anyways. So anyways, uh, my, my dad, um, created this program. We, um, it, it, it got me three, four years in Europe. And through that whole time, he was, he was my manager and helped kind of guide the path. And it's pretty amazing when I sit back and think about the fact that just, a father-son team from Northern California who had no racing background or experience whatsoever was able to get me all the way to Formula One from go-karting in Northern California. Um, so I'm incredibly fortunate to, to have him in my corner. I'm incredibly fortunate to have the support of my entire family, including my mother, my grandmother. I'm lucky that I was an only child, so I didn't have a sister that wanted to go ride ponies. <laughs> that so my guess is 2020 so i didn't have a sister that also wanted to go drive race cars um so yeah it was it was a, a crazy journey it still is a crazy journey um but he's he's more than a father to me he's a manager he's one of my closest friends we talk every day and now he's a business partner with me in a lot of different things that we're doing so very fortunate to to have someone like that um that you know has kind of always got your back. So, so yeah, that's that love story. And now I'm going to go watch him get married again. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I guess you know I've, I've always I've, I've always known it's expensive to have to get into racing. Like I've, that's obvious. That, that's just been a known thing about any any driver that it costs a lot of money to move up through the ranks because it's not like a, a sport where you just need to buy a soccer ball and some cleats. I get it. 
I didn't realize it was that expensive. Oh man. So like GP2, for example, which is, I mean, you have to go through GP2 to get to Formula One. It's, it's basically the Indy Lights of Formula One. Just two and a half million dollars a year. Is there, I mean, and there's no fix, right? There's nothing that can really change that. No. Because you, you got to pay for the car. You got to pay for the gas. You got to pay for the team. It's just, it's astounding. You got you to gotta think about how many people could have been great, but couldn't afford to get through that system. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's why, you know, as I kind of joked about earlier, um, but in, in all seriousness, you know, there's a lot of conversations about the, the reasons and the justifications as to why there hasn't really been aside from Danica and maybe Catherine leg, there hasn't been a super successful female race car driver especially yeah. there hasn't been one in Europe period. And the reason for that is not because girls are any less qualified. Um, I'll be honest, driving a race car is, is, is not that difficult at the end of the day. If you have, <laughs> no, if you have, if you have, if you start at a young age and you have the proper instruction, you know, I can, we can discuss some of the names of people that are driving race cars in IndyCar. Um, and <laughs> the thing is it's, you talk about, Let's say there's 5,000 racing drivers a year across the world that are trying to get to the upper echelon. So in IndyCar, let's say you, to use round numbers, you've got 20. In Formula One, you have 20. NASCAR, you have 30, 70. World Endurance Championship, you have maybe 20 pro drivers, 90. IMSA, you have 20 pro drivers, 110. You look at rallying, off-road racing, DTM and, and British touring cars, Australian VH, you're looking at less than 200 people that are actually at their top tier sport in their respective category or their top, the, the, the highest thing going in whatever type of racing that they do out of potentially 5,000 people that are trying to get to that point. So you then add in, let's say seven girls who are trying to also do that. Well, one of those girls might be fantastic. But is she going to, are they going to be able to, to have the stars aligned, to have the money, to have all of the, the factors fall in their place to be able to be one of those 200 people? Probably not because the sample size isn't big enough. Yeah. So I, that's why I think um, the, the, the W series um, is, is fantastic. There's rumors of it coming and being a support event for some IndyCar races to kind of expand their, their kind of global footprint because the more girls that you introduce to racing at a younger level, you're going to increase the sample size and you're going to find one that's, that's mega. And I think that'll be an awesome thing for the sport. So yes, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about the amount of people, male, female, whatever, um, that haven't made it. I always said that the best race car on the planet, is probably a taxi driver in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> and quite honestly. Just, that's just astounding to think about. <laughs> God, I hope my daughter doesn't want to get into race car driving. Well, if she does, you better make a lot of movies, Tim. <laughs> She's going to have to sell a lot of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> instead of buying laptops for teachers, it's engines for race cars. Yeah. It's just, I, I, and I guess the, the heartbreaking part of that is, you know, for the, you said 5,000 people buying for 200 seats. Well, for that 4,800 other people, they've put a lot of money into it too. And they're not going to get a return on that. Yes. And that's, yeah. ah. it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, and, and that's why it's so hard for me to sometimes understand why there's not more of an audience for racing. Like there is in Europe, obviously, but Formula One isn't a sport over there. It's, it's, it's religion, for, yeah. for lack of a better word. But if you think about the fact that in an, the NFL, which is a great, I'm a huge NFL fan. It's a great game. They do a tremendous job with the product, with the show, with the entertainment they put on. But ultimately, there's 2,000 NFL players. Yeah. Right? There is maybe 80 professional race car drivers in the United States. Yet people aren't like thinking, I mean, there's less of us than there are astronauts. Like just, just think about that for a second. It's, 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 it's crazy to me that there's still somehow this disconnect about the, the rarity of, of what we're able to do. Um, but it's easy to say that from someone who wants more TV eyeballs and money and fame and, you know, stuff no that also that all sounds neat yeah those <laughs> <things> are cool <laughs> i don't know the whole thing it's it, it it is astounding and i wonder if it's just that it's the disconnect i mean you guys have talked about before the disconnect of you see somebody driving a race car and you think well okay i can drive my car so that's not that difficult and they don't realize it's worlds apart so i wonder if it's partially that or or I guess maybe just our cultures moved away from racing, but I, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a mystery that all series are trying to, to crack in their own, in their own way. So um, yeah, we just gotta wait and see what happens. As like I have, I have friends in LA that I've gotten into racing and, and, and weirdly enough, like my family, I grew up in Indianapolis. We would go to the 500, but we were not like a family that focused on racing, you know, like, but just through, you know, hanging out with you guys, they've now gotten way more into it. And it seems like once you introduce somebody to the product, once you show them a race, once they have somebody to root for, they become fans, right? <laughs> like, 100%. And so it's just, how do you get people how do you bring them in? <laughs> you need to start being our race car pimp. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing my best. I've made yeah. at least six fans in LA. I mean, that was <laughs> a tough market to crack. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I, I don't know, because every knock against it could be a knock against another sport. It's like, okay, well, racing's like, it's three hours. Okay, so is football. So is a football game, right? <laughs> Baseball's yeah. really long too. Yeah. Um, Cricket. Yeah. So I don't know. Cricket sometimes uh, takes a week, you know, if IndyCar wants to hire me, I'll, I'll try and figure out how to, f how to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but IndyCar is on the way up. There's, there's something to be said for that. The momentum is at least going the right direction. For sure. IndyCar is, IndyCar is definitely moving. It's, it's progressing in a, in a really positive way. It's exciting to be a part of it. 
And um, yeah, excited for, for what the future holds. 2021, I think is going to be um, pretty great, assuming everything kind of goes back to normal, which at the moment, for the most part, it looks like it's it's we're gonna have a pretty usual standard season. It'll be normal or normal adjacent. Correct, but like I think you're gonna have so much appreciation. We've we've touched on this before, but fans are gonna be so excited to be able to go back to races. I think it's actually gonna be a big boost because people are just gonna be allowed to go again. You know, I I was thinking about something. Somebody was talking to me about the NBA and how like their viewership is down, but the NBA is still doing well because of sports betting. And I wonder if that's a factor working against racing because there's so many guys out there and it's so hard for the the bookies to maybe accurately predict a race or it's hard to like pick who to bet for on a race. I wonder if that is part of it. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's another thing about, our sport that you gotta you gotta kind of explain to people is you're gonna lose way more often than you win because at the end of the day you know a ball game is you have a 50 50 shot (laughs) yeah it's right whereas with us it's um one in 24 so i mean it's it's really difficult to kind of accurately have an idea um of how it's going to go, which is why I think a lot of the betting sites actually do like kind of horse racing. So you've got trifectas and parlays yeah. and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Because like a, you know, a second place isn't necessarily a bad thing for, for a driver. Like you, you're happy to get the podium. You're happy to get the points. Obviously you, you want to win, but you're not necessarily upset with second, but you, you are, if you're betting on that driver, <laughs> right? Like, so, I mean, we still got a little bit going on in the silly season. I know you just were saying that who, who just got announced? Uh, Dalton Kellett uh, in the number four for AJ Foyt Racing. It's, I guess it's weird to me that, and we don't need to get into the specifics on it, but like we're late in the silly season and some big seats haven't been filled yet. Yes, we are late, but we're not because you got to remember the season actually ended in October versus when it usually ends so we're we're a month you got to act like it's november right now you can't act like it's christmas time yeah i guess it's just it's weird to think about like (laughs) the the season's still starting at the same time right so it's late in that regard it's late if you're looking at it compared to when the season's going to start that that is true like literally we are testing in a month and three days so yeah i mean it's it is around the corner in in a lot of respects but I think, you know, teams, companies, budgets, everyone's just trying to understand where they actually ended up as this year comes to a close and trying their best to predict what 2021 is going to be. Obviously, I know uh, someone close to me um, in IndyCar who is not James Hinchcliffe or Connor Daly. So you can stop your assumptions there, listeners but they haven't been quite announced yet. I know one of their big caveats to, to their deal getting done is, you know, trying to, to come to terms on, on COVID clauses. You know, that's something that's new for, for these drivers, teams, and companies that um, no one's had to really deal with before. You know, I was fortunate that my deal got done pre-COVID, so the pandemic clauses weren't even a thing that was at the 
front of people's minds. Now, obviously teams are trying to protect themselves. Drivers are trying to protect themselves and sponsors are trying to protect themselves. Well, if something goes sideways because of a pandemic, all three of those people aren't going to come out the other side looking good. So it's there's yeah. a lot of jostling, I think, in negotiating um, from that standpoint, which is very new and no one's really had to deal with before. So I also think that's why there's some some delays. Um, but I would I would imagine that everyone that you think is going to be in certain cars that haven't been announced yet, I would say that's probably going to be pretty close to accurate. I think. Yeah. So, well, here's I, hoping I don't. Then. I don't imagine there's any big surprise. I think. I think the biggest surprise is who ends up in the in the two or one, d- depending on what Santino does, coin cars. Because like, that's a good car. Um, yeah. In a lot of places, and they they have at least one seat available, maybe two. So it'll be interesting. I think that's the the big question mark is is who's going to end up there. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't heard about the pandemic clauses and things like that. I guess. I, I just figured the big delays were coming from it's hard to ask companies for money right now. A hundred percent. But you, I mean, you'd be surprised at, at how well some companies still did during this, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised there's not eight zoom cars. True. <laughs> but it's not like there was many, many cars sponsored by restaurants and bars. So yeah. Like, fair. I feel like a lot of, a lot of companies in, in a lot of sectors really weren't that affected by this. Um, but yeah, so that's that's IndyCar silly season. It's uh, it. I've been in this position before, where you're a driver getting to the holidays, getting to Christmas and the New Year, and you still don't have uh, a deal done on paper. I did it four years in a row over in Europe, and it sucks. It makes Christmas miserable. You can't enjoy your time off. You you struggle to be motivated to train because you don't even know if you're gonna have a job the next year. So for all of those guys that don't quite have it done, I feel for them. I've been in that position and I truly hope to not be ever in that position again, but um, nothing's, nothing's guaranteed in the sport, which is why you gotta, you gotta cherish every, every race and uh, every year that you get to do it. All right. All right. Yeah, I guess I don't I don't have anything to add on that. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. Well, hopefully uh James can figure out um computers next week. I think I think James can figure out computers next week. But, <laughs> but by computers I mean iPads. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Well we'll maybe we'll open that betting market. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that, I mean thin. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. 
Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 